This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kimmy. And we're the hosts of Talk 30 Rock to Me. Do you crave cheese late at night? Do you have lots of thoughts on your mind grapes? Do you think a rape whistle can double as an accessory? Do you miss 30 Rock? We sure do. We miss it so much, we started a podcast about it. New episodes every Tuesday. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today, we're going to get to the episode quickly. Today's episode is with Alex Fernie. Uh, great conversation with that guy. He's a true comedy nerd. Uh, we ended up talking about NBC comedies after we finished recording. And uh, yeah, it was just fun to nerd out a little bit about that stuff. Uh, anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, you can check out the blog at improvobsession.com. It's a Tumblr. Follow it. I post little articles that I write or find interesting. And uh, I repost ones that I think are interesting. Um, I also am going to repost one that I wrote not a long time ago called you can't improvise like your coach. Uh, and it speaks to being an individual performer. Uh, I wrote it a little like upset and I think I can make it better. And so I'm going to do that for you guys. Um, yeah. Rate in iTunes, subscribe, like the show on Facebook, follow me on Twitter at, at Pearlstein. Um, that's it, I guess. Oh, sorry. Uh, the other thing I, I apologize. Two great phone call questions from Paul and Matt, and I did not get the chance to put them in the show. Um, he did speak a little bit to the questions, but still I didn't put them in the show and that is my fault. I really appreciate the calls and all the interactions that you guys give me and all the questions that you leave. Uh, I just didn't get a chance to get to it anyway. Uh, have a listen to what we did have a chance to get to. Hey everybody, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pearlstein. Today, very special guest, Alex Fernie. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm tired. Yeah. Uh, my, my bedroom's hotter than I want it to be right now. It's not, do you not have AC or do you turn it off for the recording purposes? Um, I don't think it actually works right. Um, you know, it's one of those, uh, it's, it's a Koreatown apartment, man. What is that UCB poster above your head? Oh yeah, I got this at uh, Gallery 1988. I went there and I was flipping through their like poster bin and I saw that and I was like, oh yeah, I need it. That's so weird. Who made that? I don't know. I have no clue. I was trying to find it. It's got Mitch on there. Yeah. That's what I loved about it. It's like an LA one. Huh. So I've never seen that before. Yeah. It's super cool. Uh, yeah. I don't know who the ma- the center guy is though. That's what I've been trying to figure yeah, it out. It might just be a look. This is an interesting. People can't see it, but it was going to distract me unless I asked. No, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, sorry, all listeners. <laughs> um, all right. So let's see. Um, I've been avoiding talking about history mm-hmm. uh, in this improv in this podcast, so I'm just going to skip all of it. I want to talk a little bit improv about improv history you've been avoiding or just things in the past in general? Things in the past. Like usually, I think when I used to start, I was like, oh, let me t- ask you about your team and like where you train. No, you've and- already... I feel Dr. Like, Berg, right? Yeah, Dr. Berg. Same I got the answers. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't, like, unless he varied, unless he made up a bunch of shit. I, it's possible, but I doubt it. Okay, good. Yeah. So, so let's give it. <laughs> um, I am, I am, I'll have a really interesting convoy, because um, I talked to him a little bit about it, uh, and I think it, I think there's like a couple things that are really interesting about you guys. One, the cage match thing. Uh, two, you guys don't do a coach. Uh, three, you've been together for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about all those things. Number one, mm-hmm. you work without coach, mm-hmm. and you guys—that goes back, I guess, to the the Vassar Improv days. Is that correct? Yeah, um, but that was also because there was no one to coach about. You know, what I mean, like we we're in college in Poughkeepsie. Yeah, um, wasn't like we we're in the city or anything like that. So we didn't really have any option. I, I don't even know what we would have done. We just tried to figure it out. We did short form. We tried to stumble into some version of long form, um, but that was just us trying to figure out what we liked. Yeah. Well, doing, but but getting into long form when you guys uh, become a, a long form team, I guess, mm-hmm. here out here in L.A., uh, it does feel like you need direction. Like, I, I, I have, 
like Billy Merritt just posted a thing about like on his Tumblr about like how you shouldn't have coachless uh, improv mm-hmm. practices and uh, uh, and I have trouble imagining how that goes. So like wh- I'm just I'm just I'm just curious. I, I'm not. Yeah. Well, for, I, I guess that Billy would admit that if you're a team that's been together, if you've been forming together for a decade, maybe that rule doesn't apply as much. Yeah. Helicopters. Uh, I think that's more about the 301 students who are like, let's just jam. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and they're going to do damage. <laughs> yeah, they are. All, and those all 301 students are 17 uh, year old girls. Yeah, yeah. Just, just love jam. To jam. Come on. Um, but we, when we started doing it, and again, I don't remember first time it was. We, we uh, uh, it was because we were broke, mm-hmm. super broke, um, and, and we we're performing at IO, and we were all going through classes, and uh, pretty soon, like. Berg and I were on a Herald team there, uh, and so we were getting coached regularly, a number of times a week. Right, just not with Convoy. Um, just not as Convoy. And when Convoy first started, it wasn't like, a, we're going to be doing this in 10 years. It was just a, that was just a, well, let's do a fun thing. That was probably the equivalent of now of just some friends being like, well, let's just do Indie Nights. So yeah. Indie Nights wasn't a thing. But, yeah. uh, and then it sort of became something more out of that. And by the time it was something that was sort of like, really sort of a, not as serious as improv can be, which is not very. Um, but as time, by the time it was that, then it was like, well, we've developed our voice. We are continuing to work with great coaches through Cinema Lady or whatever. Um, and it, it would have been weird to bring someone in. Yeah. Um, and is there is there a pro, is there a any type of like I don't know like note session or breaking it down for you guys after or beforehand? Yeah, uh, it used to be more, um, but you know, because we, we would until very recently. When we needed the time to write, uh, we would rehearse every week um, and, like, legitimately rehearse. I think that's one of the other reasons that uh, coaches' rehearsals for most people don't work is they turn into, like, hangout sessions or, like, there's one dude who's just going to give notes because, you know, he lived in Chicago for three months and thinks he's entitled to. Yeah. Um, And with (laughs) us, it was like we'd actually rehearse. That's why we were meeting. uh, And the three of us aren't are okay not being gentle with one another and we're you know cool enough with each other not to be like are you sure fucked up Berg it was more like okay here's how we fucked up uh, the other part of it being a three person group is you know one person never killed it yeah one person never really ruined the scene like collect- when our shows don't do well we it collectively seem to decide not to do well um, I can't think <laughs> of that many times where it was like oh this move didn't work you know we trust each other so much that even when someone makes a wonky move we do our best to fix it. If we don't, it's a group note. And we've always tried to be like, it's what didn't we do? You know, like I, I can't think of times when we've been like, oh, well, it comes back to this first move. If anyone does that, it tends to be like one of us putting it on ourselves. So I'll be like, well, I fucked up that first tag in or right. Berg will be like, I, I went for something and I misspoke and it ruined everything. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. If, uh, uh, place of experience and respect makes it, Mm-hmm. Uh, easier. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Um, and then, I guess, well, fuck me. I was I thought I had an interesting question about the cage match thing, but I don't. I still just think that that's the coolest thing, that you guys won a bunch of cage matches uh, and it yeah. became a team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, we'd done cage match in IO. Yeah. Um, Which you guys had a thing. good run there, too, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, Yeah, at the right? time, we'd, like, done the record, and then we retired because we were sick of cage matches. The thing about cage matches that I think people don't really realize, maybe, especially when they're just getting into improv, there's a reason it's really popular with people who are just, like, start dipping their toe into improv, and it's because it is the bridge between comedy, sports, and actual, and, like, long form. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the, comp- there's the arbitrary competitiveness. Yeah. Um, it tends to be really fast and still. I mean, like in New York, I don't know if they still do it, but they would have like fake wrestling bits in yeah. between. That's how the way they run it. Yeah. Um, and so it is like a little bit more. It's very like audience inclusive, and it's you get to sort of root for a team, and everyone likes being on a bandwagon. It happens for us. It happens for every team that goes on a run, both Convoy, Dirk, and Fernie, anyone, Heather Miles. Now I'm sure. Um, where people are just like, oh yeah, we gotta see, you know, we want them to come back. They're our team. We want to be able to see them again. Yeah. Um, and so it's this weird. It's it's a weird thing, and I'm I'm happy to not, you know, like in IO, we're very happy not to do it anymore. And then we did it at UCB because we wanted to perform at UCB as a convoy, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't expect to win one, let alone for a year. Because the first one we were up against was last day of school, and we were like, well, this will be fun. They're all friends. We'll just, you know, and, and then we ended up winning for a long time. By the end of that. We were pretty happy to not be doing cage match anymore. And even at the end of Dirk's Inferno, which was shorter, I was kind of like, yeah, oh, you know, Wednesday nights might be a nice time to not be doing this. <laughs> not be doing stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, 
So I'm curious then, have you, like, do you feel like you, that's an, that's an interesting perspective on cage match, uh, and that's insightful, and I wish I had thought of that, mm-hmm. um, but, like, have you, I guess, have you learned anything from doing cage match as far as, like, I mean, maybe pleasing yeah. the audience, or I don't know what. Yeah, uh, what I think from are. cage match, what we learned that was super valuable to us, one is, we got lucky. Um, when we moved to LA and we were perform, Berg and I moved out after Todd because um, he's a year older, and we were performing within a month, and we started winning cage matches there kind of immediately, uh, and so we got to perform right away. And through cage match there and at UCB, I'd say we figured out well what is Convoy, what's our voice. You know, it was a, an amazing ability to have a weekly show for people who are too young to deserve a weekly show um, and be able to figure that out, and that taught us a lot. Uh, I think it also we approached it with a self-restraint. We tried to remind ourselves that it was cage match. It is this silly, you know, you play fast, that's what the audience wants, and we tried to rein ourselves in of being like, well, let's do good improv, um, because cage match tempts you so hard to not. Cage match is like a pandering machine that can really run. I think at UCB, there's been a bunch of good teams that have dodged that. Um, I think Heather and Miles just do good improv, you know, um, and like, but try to think of a team that plays slow winning cage match. And it's kind of hard to imagine it's last per minute. And that's what that was. And that, and and that includes us. That includes, you know, Dirk's Inferni. When we play, you know, we play very fast and silly and loose. Um, but that's what that is, I would argue. Um, and one of the things that Cage Mesh taught us is like, okay, great, we can do this. Let's not just do this. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that it's hard to think of teams that came out of Cage Match um, and continued on with the sort of excitement that they had at Cage Match. There aren't yeah. that many. At I.O. or it used to be there are a few at I.O. At UCB, you know, it might just be us that yeah. I can think of. Yeah, I don't. I don't know of many other people that have that that background at all. Um, yeah, that's it's uh, it's interesting the, the the fast and the pander thing. I remember uh, the I think it was, it was, I think it was yeah shitty jobs and uh, the smokes and I saw them and they play completely opposite ends. The spectrum mm-hmm. smokes did like a mono scene that to me was one of like my favorite shows I've ever seen. Uh, and then the shitty jobs is just a good show, but I remember it was like rapid fire. I'm like, wow, oh, but I think the smokes are doing to me what I enjoyed is better improv show, yeah. and then. Uh, and it's like, oh yeah, but it's kind of like you say, you got the audience, you got the fast, the last for a minute. Which is a great thing for that. Like it's yeah. a, it's a super. It will regularly be a super funny show because the team that's going one is going to be the funniest show, right? Um, <coughs> uh, you know, and that's. I would always kind of encourage my students when I was teaching not to necessarily go see Cage Match, um, uh, but they like. Uh, no matter who was winning, uh, but like that—that's a really fun thing. I think it's a great way to get people into the theater and be like, "Oh, this isn't improv. Isn't just people pretending to be raindrops prancing around and dressed in all black." You know what I mean? Because there's that sort of stigma of like, "Oh, why would I go see people do theater warm-ups?" Sure, that's what they think. Um, and Cage Match is such a great example of like, "No, this is a fucking fun thing." You yeah, Harrison screaming at you, and if it's your first time, that's confusing and kind of delightful. And <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like that's uh, how many minutes is this gonna go? Yeah, on? Like that's it, it's yeah. this thing. And then you get caught up in the energy, and the crowd is so nuts for yeah. it. They're insane. You know what I mean? Like, that crowd's more pumped up than an ASCAT crowd. Um, and it's, uh, and it's like, that's a very good thing. I think it's just a matter of people have to remember that it's something different. What works in a cage match, even to the fact, you know, I know the light's going to go out at this exact time, as yeah. does the audience. Yeah. I can guarantee I can get a laugh, even if the joke doesn't work, because the audience and I know I'm doing it just for that reason. Yeah. That is only exists in cage match yeah. in a herald or in combo or whatever if I do that same sort of oh it's almost over I'm forcing it then I just goes what the fuck are you doing you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. that it's a fundamental difference right yeah you, you said that uh, you, you don't necessarily encourage people to go to cage match I'm curious not people what, just students who are sorry, like students, students yeah apologize uh, uh, students specific, well then I'm curious what do you uh, encourage people to see uh, the smokes is good because it's always changing and you get to see a bunch of different styles of play and you get to see people just really like just it, it's very funny and very good improv the, the show I always have told people to see is Dasariski mm-hmm. which is the what I think people should just like sort of achieve if you can do what Dasariski does you can do anything yeah. improv wise um, it's I think what they do and the ways in which they do is probably the best improv you can see in LA um, and it is super hard to do um, 
you know, with convoy, even with convoy, you know, like uh, some of the stuff we do is parlor tricks. You know what I mean? Like you go fast, and it's you know we do a little tag run, and I don't know, I don't find it that hard to bang out just five funny premises on the game in a minute and a half. That's just sort of like, yeah, that's just playing game. Yeah. Uh, but like when Dasturiski does it, and it's so grounded and real and subtle, but it still gets to places that are like crazy and you just buy it and accept it. That opens up every improv door. So if you're an actual student, not just someone who likes improv, but you're actually, I want to be great at improv. I always push people towards those sorts of groups that do the hardest stuff. Because right. frankly, and this isn't just improv, students are lazy. I was when I was in school. I was when I was learning improv. Um, we want the short cut. We want to know what it is to get us an A-plus on the final. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm doing here. I'm just trying to get the A. Yeah. That's, and <laughs> people do the same thing in improv class, man. Like, okay, great. You know, how can I play like Colton? Well, be as funny as Colton and be doing it for 15 years. Yeah. Ah, fuck, I got to do it for 15 years. Yeah. Terrible. Um, so I think, well, God, I just find that interesting that uh, you refer to some stuff in Congo's parlor tricks, like, because I don't feel like it's as easy as you're saying it is like I don't personally feel that way and I and I guess as evidence of like seeing plenty of shows I don't think it's always that easy but like I I, I don't know I guess it's just interesting that you have the perspective of there's well, like a there is a higher a hierarchy I guess I don't yeah know. I wouldn't even say hierarchy it's different ways of doing things you know what I mean because I would never knock anyone for playing so we, we play fast you know course, and when yeah, we yeah. started out when we were these fucking cocky asshole 22-year-olds at I.O., we started out, people were pissy at us because we played really fast and just thought we were great. Um, but I, I think I think there is like a... Yeah, easy is maybe not the right word, but I, I think it's just an element of knowing what you're going to be, deciding what you're going to be and trying it all out. Everyone has their bag of tricks, mm-hmm. and that includes guys on Dasari You know yeah, what I mean? Like, Bob knows he can go... He's can go to the uh, you know space work thing and he's so specific with it and he'll kill with that um, you know like everyone has that bag of tricks both individually and as a group so if some of the stuff that Convoy's been doing playing so long I'm like oh I know this I, I know this will work you know what I mean like this isn't a challenge to me I know that this this thing that we are going to nail and I think everybody has those sorts of things um, and sometimes that's the stuff that we get complimented on them and maybe it's just maybe everyone feels that way about the stuff that they do like yeah. you know I'm more impressed with people who can do shit that I can't do of course and yeah. then the stuff I do I'm like yeah well, whatever I just do it you know and maybe that's just what I'm trying to say is like that's sort of everyone has that um, so don't be content just doing that stuff that you can do try to be like I'm gonna try and play like Eugene which is hard for me you know I'm gonna yeah. try and play like you know Galavan or whatever yeah I talked to Billy last week and he, he we, we, we talked a little bit about Pirate Ninja robot thing and his whole his whole, his whole thing was like yeah it's like you recognize the stuff you can do and then do the other stuff yeah uh, and I think that comes down to the same thing like yeah. every time I get if I ever get a compliment after a show like I, some, some guy we did a show and this guy was like what's going on and like oh you did this it was great and I'm like yeah of course I did that like I, yeah. what else was I going to do there uh, and I think yeah I think that's it's just the same thing but you uh, have it just on a different perfect, mm-hmm. different scale um, super cool mm-hmm. alright so uh, so I was trying to think about like what would be really good to talk to you about uh, and I decided that uh, specificity and top of your intelligence would be something that I think you could t- uh, speak to mm-hmm. uh, intelligently. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> um, so let's uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about specificity and improv. Uh, uh, I don't know. Let's just start with the boring general question: Why is it important to be specific? Um, the thing I always say when I'm like teaching or coaching it is that the word "car" is boring and the word "Acura" is interesting mm-hmm. in a scene. Um, I think there's two things. I think uh, one is just pure, like, wonky improv stuff. Um, If I say get in the car to you in a scene, I'm giving you no information. All I'm giving you is, uh, okay, almost it's just plot. There's nothing interesting about that. That's boring and stupid. Um, If I say, you know, uh, let's get in your Hummer, you are a different character than if I say get in your Volt. Uh, then if I say get in your Lamborghini, then if I say get in your 91 Corolla, um, and these are all clunky, but, uh, that's a gift. That's something that you can now play Mm -hmm. because either if it's Hummer and you're like a, you know, eco-friendly guy, there's a juxtaposition there that's funny. If you're taking the more obvious way, not obvious bad, but just you go, oh, okay, I'm a guy who drives a Hummer. Who drives a Hummer? That's a huge yes Arnold and version. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I'm going to be a fucking probably a prick. Sorry, people <laughs> <laughs> drive Hummers. Um, but that's a huge just yes and thing. 
and it's so much more interesting than like, oh God, you are so, you don't care about the earth at all. You're always ruining the earth, which is what some a lot of improvisers do, where yeah. they just. I'm not showing you. I'm telling you. You're always uh, blank. Yeah. yeah, like driving a Hummer or giving the gift of a Hummer is showing, not telling. Uh, and the other thing is we laugh at specifics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody does. Uh, I, I, like that's what makes me laugh. And like that's something that is incredibly important. I won't laugh at just, oh, we're being general, blah, blah, blah. But I will laugh when I know that, oh, that's a mom doing that? That's a funny thing. Or just that sort of like sense memory. I can picture it now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about staying ahead of the audience. Uh, if you don't get specific and you get in that car, I'm using the most boring example ever, I apologize. Uh, and you just get in a car, there's 100 people watching, uh, 100 people picture a different car. Mm-hmm. If you get in a Hummer, 100 people are picturing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's infinitely better as a storyteller and as an improviser than if you get 100 people picturing a different thing. Because later on in the scene, if you name it a Hummer, those 99 people who thought it was other cars would be like, well, no, come on. That wasn't what I pictured. Even if they don't realize they're doing it, they have to then readjust the scene. And you want to constantly, just as if you were writing screenplay, just as if you were telling a story, give them all the information they need to be there in the scene with you. Uh, that's okay. So let me let me let's backtrack a little bit to the first point that you said because I think that's really interesting, and I don't know that I've ever thought of it that way. Uh, you're treating treating uh, specifics, all specifics as offers. I mean, uh, yeah, I n- never. I, g- I guess that's that's one thing. When yeah, it's something maybe so personal that can can speak to a personality. Uh, but I could see how that could be treated a little bit more generally that. Uh, all, all offers or even just things specifics in the world can be like, oh, okay, this is saying something about me, us, our relationship, where we are, whatever. Yeah, and, you know, it's also, it's what makes an individual performer. Um, it's what makes you not just some guy who does improv and is like, oh, that's, you know, that's the way Steven improvises. I think it boils down to specifics. Um, people talk about that all the time with Convoy. Uh, if I ask you, you know, you know, what are things you associate with Berg as an improviser? You maybe say science characters, references. but you say science references. <laughs> and, like, sometimes, like, we, you and know... Ca- well, because he, yeah. he's the character one of your team. Sure. I've decided. Um, but in general, <laughs> it's that science stuff. And, like, sometimes, you know, we all, you know, get masturbatory and, like, just dive into our own little wormholes. But, like, that's that's a, that's a an honest reaction from him. He's using the stuff that he knows. Uh, Chad Carter, who's, you know ridiculously intelligent you know he uses his life experience stuff it's it's those specifics that you can only summon from your own experience that you put into scenes Mm -hmm. that make it so oh okay shit that's why jim woods is such a good improviser that's why you know great improvisers that you can think of they are specific and it's because you're getting bits of them out if you're general and broad we're getting no like no actual like steven in that scene because it's just sort of like i'm just doing improv in a general white space when we want to see the improviser within it yeah uh, personalizing it, uh, yeah. Processing, thinking. All right. Okay. So then, also, <laughs> I think that I think also uh, specificity uh, is particularly important to the forms that I, I know that you you do you do the, the convoy thing, which I don't think is a form, but a real or is labeled in any way. Uh, but you guys kind of just scene falls into scene, falls into scene. Falls yeah, into we just scene. don't wipe at it. We never, we try never to start again. Uh, we try to have the last scene inspire the next scene, and sometimes that means a tag run. Uh, a lot of times we talk about playing around in a world, which is basically we find a game of a world and then blow it out to the whole world, um, and and we just try to have it be so that. We, we think it's fun to see, well, where can we get? If the suggestion is banana, like obviously it always is in improv. Uh, we try to see at the end of 25 minutes how much can we find that came from there. That's very interesting to us, and that's sort of what our form is. Um, well, then, and then, and then specificity to me seems like it has to play a big part in that because, mm-hmm. uh, and also to do the pretty flower with Cinnamon Lady, right? Yeah. Wait, what else do you guys do? Yeah. Oh, we just do a general montage at the top and then we go to pretty flower. That's right. That's right. Okay. So, but I think both of those require uh, a lot of specificity to, to get something to bite off onto and go like, okay, we're going to take this into the next, the next scene for Convoy or maybe our little, a little side scene for the pretty flower. Same thing for Dirkus and Fernie. Yeah. It's, um, uh, I don't know if this floats around the curriculum or it might not be one of the forms du jour every, you know. People are always like, oh, everyone wants to do the pretty flower now, and then in six months it's just mono scenes, and in six months everyone's back to the Herald, and that's just how it works. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if anyone's doing La Ronde's, um, but Convoy started out doing like a version of a La Ronde and a Slacker, and we sort of broadened it out to be what we wanted to do. But like, if you do a La Ronde, 
you realize very quickly how specificity is important because that's just about okay we're doing a scene I'm character A you're character B character C tags out character B to do a scene with character A um, the next person tags out to do a scene with character C so you always do two back to back scenes right, right. Um, and so if I just tag in, I'm just a general doctor playing your game with no specifics, that next scene's going to fucking suck when someone comes in and now like, well, I'm trying to make a scene with just general doctor. Yeah. You know, general doctor is a funny phrase, actually. <laughs> um, but that specificity, even if it's just sort of like we find out that this guy like is a vegetarian, guaranteed that next scene will be better because now we have something to build off of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that also, I think that's also, uh, that that happens in tagging for a joke, sort of, mm-hmm. is the... It, it's a non-specific like I did it last night and I was embarrassed uh, but like somebody made he's, he did like the sounds of the birds uh, and it sounded like choking and I just went like hey man come help me choke these birds and I was like oh wow I have nothing else than I'm gonna make birds make weird sounds yeah and that's it yeah so again again, that that's that uh, uh, having having actual stuff to work with yeah um alright well I wanna well, let's see uh, let's talk a little bit about the pretty flower because uh, that that is a, a, I think a form that's in vogue right now. Plus, I'm doing it, so cool. I'd like to uh, hear a little thoughts on it. Um, I don't know how, how do you guys approach it. I, uh, what, what's your uh, what's your kind of um, nuclear nuclear thought process? <laughs> uh, we worked. We did monitoring for a while with Samuel Lady, uh, and then we were like, well, let's do something else. Um, and we started doing this because it took what we like, what I like about monoscene, which is like, I like living with characters for a while. I like not yeah. feeling like, oh, sh-, like I like being able to patiently develop something. Um, and then still has the, the sort of like speed and fun of just being like, now we get to go see this weird thing flesh out. Um, I'd say the two big things and similarly, you know, like I'm certainly not always successful at this are really committing to that core scene. The more real that core scene is, is certainly at the top. Um, and the more each person has its own point of view that isn't like wacky character time, just sort of like, even if it's just sad dad or whatever, yeah. the easier that's going to be. And when you go into those pedals, um, uh, the, the little like runs that come off of that main scene, trying to find something about that character that will then impact the core scene. Right, mm-hmm. um, and we don't achieve that all the time, Samuel Lady. Absolutely, um, but I think in my perfect pre flower, that's what it is. Where those just aren't just for like, oh, that was a fun thing. Back to the main thing. It's more about now we know something about that character, the sad dad that we didn't know before. That maybe those characters in that core scene don't know. Yeah. Um, but we're coming back into it, and the performer knows, and the audience knows, and now we can play that. So if we find out he's sad, um, you know, for whatever reason it is. Yeah that then becomes something that you can play in that core scene. So that core, like, monoscene part just gets richer and richer and richer as it goes on until at the end you have so many dominoes up that they should all collapse under their own weight and you get to just tick them off, you right, know, right, each right. of those things, if you're doing it right. Um, and, and by no means am I always doing it right. I feel like I, I rarely, really, really nail it because it is, you have to be very patient and you have to use sort of every part of the buffalo. You have to hear everything and, <laughs> and store everything and it's exceptionally hard. I find it easier to do probably with Dirkus and Fernie because there's just one other guy yeah. and I can remember his thing and with Samuel Lady it's, you know, more we're working together there's seven of us and so I have to remember so many things that you want to set up and that everyone wants to do and that's much harder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, again, I get the, I don't know it's necessarily tagging for the joke but I, which I see a lot in The Pretty Flower. Yeah. Uh, Big time temptation is just to go like, haha, that guy said butt by accident. And then yeah. we go like, this guy's always saying butts. And then at the end, you're like, oh, I don't know, do we hit that butt game again? Like, is that his game? Are yeah. we going to somehow make this payoff later? It's I, I would say in The Pretty Flower, sometimes you're going to do that. Sometimes you're going to be like, oh shit, that guy just said something that I really want to see. And that's really great. Sometimes it's just going to be that guy's like, yeah, I'm a fireman. Don't hesitate to just go see his life as a fireman. Treat that as the initiation and build an organic scene. You'll find something unusual. And then when you come back into that core scene, that's something super interesting that we had no idea. All we knew he was a fireman. When we went to the firehouse, we found out like yeah, that he's a fireman who hates cats, so he refuses to take them out of trees. He just sprays them down with a hose. That's now something we can use in that core scene that, came, that isn't just a family guy. Remember that time that this yeah. reference happened? Let's go see it. Yeah, that's uh, it's totally true. It's... Uh... I think I think it's it's tagging. It's almost like a Laron type of mm-hmm. uh, tag, and it's yeah. like you're, you're exploring you're exploring the character. You're not exploring what was funny about what happened to the character, or where the character has been. It's just like, uh, and I and that, I, I feel like those moves don't happen a lot because it's ballsy. I think it's it takes more balls to go. Uh, 
uh, I'm a fireman, and then just be like, all right, first day, or like, hey man, let's we got a yeah. fire to take care of because that's like, all right, I got nothing, let's see what happens. Yeah, as opposed it. to like somebody setting up like I'm a fireman, and this one time I had trouble carrying a person. Yeah. Because I had sex too much the night before, and then that's and then that. Cut sex yeah, and that's that improviser going. Come on, I'm going to do some great physicality. Yeah. Like it, you know, it's the temptation of we can pretend all we want that we're in this for the art of improv or whatever. But you know, feels shitty when we don't get laughs, and we want to get laughs, and that makes us feel good for whatever stunted adolescence we're stuck in. But the uh, like that is the thing is we want to tag and go into a laugh and get that thing right away. We want to like kill with the initiation. Uh, and I'm including myself in this. You know, I have to constantly remind myself, no, 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 no. You'll get there. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, like, just just do a scene. Just do a scene. This is, you know, that, that and it, it's going to make it so much easier at the end if you just do a scene. Yeah. Uh, I talked about, uh, I talk, I talk about a lot of stuff in this podcast, but I talked about it before, it's like trusting the work, uh, and I, sometimes mm-hmm. that's hard to do. Yeah, it's just, very hard to do. For everybody, and not just for, like, you're in 101. You'll learn it. I bet I'm sure... That's still hard for like the UCB four. Yeah, you know what I mean. I guarantee you that sometimes it's just are like God, I want to do. I just want to get my laugh right now. I I don't think that ever goes away. Sure, because um, we we do it to be funny. Um, but sometimes it's just going to be like it, it's almost that sort of like just trusting like okay, don't cash in right now. Yeah, you know, let it ride. It's going to be worth ten times more if you just let it ride a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, all right, well. Uh, before I move away from specificity, we'll probably come back to this conversation. Do you have anything else to say about specificity or <laughs> like how it's awesome for improv? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's a. I think I don't think there's a, such a thing in improv as too specific. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just refuse to believe that. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's something that's very hard sometimes for students to wrap their heads around what the difference between specificity and being like just a. Know it all, or just being too cute, or just in, ham-fistedly inserting things in. Like if we were just if we weren't doing a podcast and we were just talking about anything, it doesn't matter. You have Seinfeld on your on your shelf here. Uh, we wouldn't just talk. Be like Seinfeld's a good show. Oh yeah, I really like watching Seinfeld on TV. Yeah, the jokes are good. You know, like that. Yeah. Unless we're the worst. Uh, <laughs> we're the, the worst, worst most boring people in the world, then maybe. Yeah. We talk about specific episodes, and we talk yeah. about, you know, and Jerry and Elaine and George. Uh, and that's the way human beings interact. Yeah. Um, interesting ones, at least. And we should be as interesting as we can on stage. Um, I feel... Okay, so that reminded me that it... All, like, you, you said it before, that sometimes you guys get uh, overly specific as if to... I said masturbatory. Masturbatory, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so like, I don't know. It, so, so that does happen. Uh, well, why can you guys get away with it? Like, I, and, we and don't maybe that's Oh, we, if you haven't seen enough comedy shows, if you haven't seen Bird go out on the science limit, have the audience not go with them. Um, like, I feel like the audience. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, one of those things. Where I feel like your audience is trained to enjoy you guys, and, and that like, yeah. if you if Bird gets lost and are like, and you it's guys are like, the fun. what the. Fuck are you doing, Bert? Then yeah, yeah we'll laugh. It, but it's uh, I'm, I'm it sounds like I'm ragging on Bert. Yeah, Bert's uh, terrible. Um, but the uh, like uh, you know it, that's we we do that all the time. I do that all the time with me. It's going to be more history based. Um, yeah. Todd, I guess it's music. Um, and the uh, it, it, it's I, I do think we don't always get away with it. I think when we do get away with it. You're exactly right. It's because people came to see a convoy show. Yeah. Um, if we were three schmoes and we did the exact same thing, like, and we were in 201 and somehow we just got up on that stage in front of that exact same audience and did the exact same thing, wouldn't go over as well. Yeah, they groan. It's like, all right, man, I get it. You know something yeah. about something. Just Absolutely. It's the benefit. And it's, going to a cage match, is the benefit of being like, this is your show. You know what I mean? If you're on the run in the cage match, people are like, going to come to see you. Convoy, or come to see Kaploosh, or come to see Heather and Miles, and they know what to expect, and they're going to love it. Uh, you take that and put it elsewhere. Even just when I go back and do shows in New York, sometimes you know, like you have to adjust because it's they don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like they don't they don't know who you are. Yeah. Um, so we do get away with it, and, and it's because we're spoiled, and that's why I call it masturbatory because it's just easy sometimes. Nice. Um, yeah. Good. Good for you. As long as it works. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's talk, Lynn, let's talk a little bit about top of your intelligence. Um, uh, that is, uh, I think I actually read, even read a blog post of yours about that a little bit not too long ago. It might be crazy. Um, I might have said something. I try not to write about improv online because I think 
no one wants to read it. Oh, okay. The uh, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I think I did. I think I responded to Will Hines at some point. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he, he runs a great improv blog. Yeah, uh, and nobody reads it. <laughs> um, well, okay, so so let's so I talked to Besser a little bit about it. Uh, what's what is let's just say what does top of intelligence mean to you, and, and uh, why it's important? Let's start there. Um, Boring in general, and we'll get more specific. I think it means being honest. Um, I think it means. Uh, and when I say being honest, I mean, like, just being a human being, even if you're playing a tiger in the scene, just being a human being, that's top of your intelligence. Uh, and I think it's using everything that you know. Um, and that doesn't mean, I think people frequently take that to mean the wrong thing when I try and talk about that. And they mean like, oh, just, uh, if you know a lot about Doctor Who, just, who, just slip in all these Doctor Who references. And I, I don't, I don't mean that. But I do mean that you're going to do a scene sometime where that makes sense and it's relevant. Um, and I think top of intelligence is combining those two things. It's being very honest and reactionary and reacting the way a human being does. But on the same hand, sort of what we were talking about before, using everything you know to influence that. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like I can only know what I know. Uh, and if something honestly makes me think about the Mexican-American War... Um, then I might bring up the Mexican-American War in that scene. And that's still honest, and that's top of my intelligence. If we're doing a scene about, like, two lifeguards who are just at the pool to scope babes, and they're, like, two dopey lifeguards, and I try to ham-fist in my Mexican-American War reference, that's shitty. Um, But it's just trusting yourself to use what you know and to not be afraid of people not getting it, I think. I think that doesn't matter. I don't care if people don't get it because, A, the audience is always smarter than you, um, unless you're performing to a tiny house. There's one of you, and there's a collective, even like a, a small indie night, 20 minds there. Mm-hmm. Collectively, that audience is smarter than you. They know more things than you. Um, and I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. Um, and then the other part of it is that, you know, it doesn't take 100% of the people in the crowd to get a joke for everybody to laugh. The psychological impact of it, if people start laughing other people start laughing. You don't like being the guy who doesn't get the joke. Yeah. Uh, this is a very crass, like, you know, um, sort of like, uh, you know, mathematical way of looking at it, but that's the way we work as human beings. We're social. Uh, and what's up, and no one likes being the guys like, why was that funny? Laughter's uh, addict. You know, you, you want to laugh and you can sort of pass it around at UCB. If I do reference that half the audience gets I bet more than half the audience laughs because you're just like, oh, this is fun. Um, also, if you're performing well, if you're just saying it just to get it out there, it doesn't work. But if you're actually like living in the moment and through context clues you can put it together, then it's there. That's a long-winded answer. Basically, it's just sort of like, uh, yeah, I think top of intelligence is just reacting honestly like a human being and using everything that you, the improviser, knows in your scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, I like I, I do like that you brought it back to the specificity thing, and it, uh, and that comes to just injecting more stuff, and I uh, I like that mm-hmm. what you're saying before. Uh, but you also said uh, uh, to just being human, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's a part of it. Uh, but is so like so just being human doesn't uh, seem true to me uh, in that like okay so like. Dazarisky probably plays human a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, but but they're like they're almost not human. They're like superhuman. The, to me, I feel like almost all in, good improv I feel like is beyond what I is like a normal day to day reactions. I feel like oh sure, that. but so is every good movie you've ever seen. Yeah, um, uh, you don't see the improv. You don't see the scene of the day where nothing happened. You see that you all every scene you'll ever see. Every sketch you'll ever read or write or watch is the day that something interesting happened. Why are we seeing this day? You know, otherwise, it's, you know, if it was my life and it's just me sitting at my desk typing, that's boring as fuck. Yeah. If it's the day that this crazy thing happened, that's great. Um, crazy things happen all the time in our world. Um, and unusual things to get to, like, game, game vocabulary happen all the time in our world. Most of the times we ignore it um, because it's easier for us. Uh, improv asks us to just not quite ignored. And I think the question is, what would you do if you were in this situation? And that doesn't mean that you're, you know, this person that you are. If you're like a military general, to the top of your intelligence, what would you do if you were a military general 
and an alien burst out of the ground and asked you to have sex with. Let's just say that I bet that impression has happened almost in every impression. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, how would you deal with that? What I wouldn't want to see is just someone being like, "Hey, what are you doing underground? Are you supposed to be in space?" I would say, "What the fuck?" Uh, you know. And if I'm really playing military general, then you call in a strike or whatever you think that person would do. You have to embody that. It gets acting exercisey, but I think it's true um, that you have to start to embody that thing or person as a human being. That doesn't just mean you. It means what do you think that human being would do? So if you watch Dasariski, they put themselves into those shoes. Very, very much. And I think they respond very honestly in that, and that is what makes them sort of human characters, because they can tone it down, they can amp it up, just like we can. Another example I think is good is, uh, if you think of everybody you know, you can think of anybody, um, and you can come up with weird things that are gameable about them. Gameable is another word, but we'll say it is. Okay. Um, So it's, what's weird about your best friend? Oh, he does this thing. Great. Heighten it slightly, and you have a scene. Yeah. Um, and if you look at all the great improv scenes that you've seen, barring like stunty stuff, oh, they lifted everyone up. That was a group mind thing. That was really fun. Or, uh, you know, that sort of thing. I think most really core, great, those are great improv moments. Great improv scenes you've seen that from beginning to end were really, really great and funny and awesome. Some the people in there are playing it real. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's always exceptions to this rule. Some people are just fucking funny as hell and can get around it. Yeah. 99.9% of us are not. Um, and so I think that's why you have to find that sort of humanity in there to make it feel real and to make it feel intelligent and not like you're just doing short form. Yeah. Uh, Casey talked about this a little bit and he was saying that he thinks people want to see the, the best possible versions of themselves on stage. Uh, and he wants to see, like maybe they want to see uh, the improviser is just a little bit smarter, a little bit quicker, a little bit fat than than they would be mm-hmm. in that real situation. So that that the, maybe that kind of bridges somewhere in between that like real uh, and uh, a superhuman thing, right? Like yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's you know, and again, when people say play real, I think people interpret that as boring sometimes, and yeah. it's just sort of like, well, no, the situation, the game is weird. That's unusual. That's not necessarily real. The two characters, or three or four, or however, should be real. Um, like, I'd like to, you know, like, the, my main interaction with things is to avoid any sort of conflict whatsoever, or often eye contact even. Um, but what if, you know, like, the, that's, so I avoid these weird situations. Um, but if they are thrust upon me as they are in an improv scene, well, how do you react to that? Um, and I think it's, you can look at maybe, like, the best seasons of 30 Rock as a good example of the way I think improv should work of, like, that's an off-the-wall show. Weird stuff happens all the time, you know, uh, yeah. uh, like, but you know uh, Jack Donaghy's point of view on the world, and he is a heightened, weird version of a human being. And they, for a while, were really taking care to be like, okay, he's this crazy Republican yeah. Uh, guy, but he still sees the world for what it is. You know what I mean? I think Ron Swanson's another one. He has his own point of view, undeniably playing a game, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but he's still reacting to things as that character would, mm-hmm. which is honesty uh, and just sort of stiffly. He still gets scared sometimes. He doesn't like things. He gets mad. Um, and I think what I see a lot of young improvisers do is they just go for that. Oh, well, it's just this point of... It's just... I just have this game and I just have to hit it over the, over and over and I just want to make these funny jokes instead of being like, no, what, how would that human being interact in that time? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's almost as if a uh, game needs to... game can inform character more than uh, people let it more often. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I think that is interesting because also... Okay, so I feel like uh, Topic Your Intelligence also allows people or people use that as an excuse or a way to be dismissive and bad improvisers put roadblocks yeah yeah um and like like the the shutting down of a scene or the i've talked about this before and it's my i hate the scene more than anything is when somebody tags in and goes you're fired from this kinkos because you fart every time you make a copy yeah uh that and i i wonder if there i don't know if you're in your mind if there's a way to combat that of like there is because the very easily um which is uh you know what's hard to do fire someone 
And those scenes, and I know exactly the scenes you're talking about, typically are just someone like, I'm just going to call, I'm, I'm the improviser calling you out. Yeah. If you want to do that scene, I've done this, the, the version of that scene that I think is very, very funny is what a fucking weird, difficult conversation to have to tell this guy that he's fired from Kinko's because every time he makes a copy, he farts. Mm-hmm. That's bizarre. I have no idea how I'd approach that conversation if I was a general major, uh, general manager at the Kinko's on Vine. Yeah. I would really worry about it the night before. This is going to be awful. This is going to feel bad for me. This poor guy probably has a health issue. Maybe I try and talk him through it. Maybe I try and figure out a way that we can get around this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm using this silly thrown-off example. But I think they all... It does boil down to that, right? If it's just me going like... Uh, you know, we're just together basically saying, Stephen, that weird thing you're doing, I'm shutting it down right now so I get a laugh pointing out your weirdness. Then we're done. Yeah. Scene's over. Pull the lights. Yeah. But if it's really being like... If it really is that there have been complaints... I don't know if we can keep you here. We want to work with you. You really have that moment. That's saying, okay, I'm calling out your game, but with the other hand, I'm waving you on. Let's really, as human beings, try to deal with this. And I'm hoping that you as my scene partner are going to have a really hard time with this. Like, I know, man. Look, this isn't – I don't know why. I don't do it other times. It's just when I push that button on the thing, I start farting. I don't know why. I've been to doctors. They say it's all in my head. I can't figure it out. Okay, what if we move you over to the paper cutter? Great, that sounds good. And he's going to go over there. He's just going to shoot himself. Obviously, lights. There we go. Um, <laughs> Obviously, yeah. But you, you know what I mean. Like that is the difference. That I think that scene where we really deal with this thing isn't as shitty. You know, that's a real. That's a legitimate initiation. I think that's good improv. Of here's something that this poor guy has to deal with in his life, and it's not the improviser calling out the weird thing. It's the character saying. This is weird in my world. Let's figure it out. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, that that scene, and uh, that's a, that's a great approach to it, and I love that. Uh, it's a it's that straight man. I, I, yeah, I feel like the the trap of a straight man, and uh, this happens, and I do it, and everybody does it, uh, is the is to, to to shut down or to just call it out. Yeah, and that's not what it is. It's, it's forgetting. That that's forgetting to and it's completely. exactly. It's you need to give another scenario, or another way for this to happen, or else, or you know, and I've been I've been fired uh, from whatever my job is. And yeah, and it's suddenly you're like, I need to work to make yeah. this happen again. I need to find, I need to find, okay, fine. I need to find something to do and then how can I make it? Because it's, you know, I need, I need to trigger my farts again somehow. Yeah. Like, uh, the, you know, the, like, if we're talking about straight men, like, I, I think probably most people would argue, but like the greatest or one of the greatest straight men in the world is probably Bob Newhart, right? Like, and he used to do the, um, the, the phone calls. Uh, you ever hear those bits? Some like button down mine and Bob Newhart or anything? I don't think so. Uh, I might going back like 50 years. Yeah. Um, so he would do these bits time. that I highly recommend finding because they're, they're just a, a, an object lesson in how to be a straight man where he, uh, is on the phone with a historical figure. So he's on the phone with Abraham Lincoln or he's on the phone with Sir Walter Raleigh and Sir Walter Raleigh is trying to explain to him tobacco. Yeah, um, and uh, and we don't hear Sir Walter Raleigh. We just hear Bob Newhart going, "You snorted up." Well, you know, I don't know. And, you know, he is the sort of like low status guy. He's sort of calling it out, but he's still engaging, and he's yes anding nothing. I mean, he's written this out. Yeah. We can't hear the other side of that, and he's driving the whole conversation just from the straight man point of view. And I think it's exactly how improv straight men at a basis should be played because he's constantly he's not being like you're an idiot Sir Walter Raleigh click you know what I mean like he has to drive this bit forward so he has to keep sort of supplying stuff out in there that this voice that you never hear is using yeah. uh, it's really interesting to hear and very funny but it's very it's just to see this straight man with no weird person and it still works yeah know? that's uh yeah and that that and that kind of goes back to your specificity in the beginning is that yeah pro- ideally I don't know if this is true. I'll say it anyway. Ideally, probably one half of the conversation, if you only heard one half of an improv scene, you should probably be able to understand what's going on, at least what's funny about it. Yeah. Because if, if there's, a, if there's yeah. ever something going on where some guy's just like, what? Gross. That's, that's a, yeah. You. Stop. Yeah, like, like, you know, if you just cut out the guy who's being like, oh, I'm fucking a fish, and we just see the guy trying to get him to stop fucking a fish, yeah. then, like, if you're doing your job as an improviser... You know, it still works to some degree. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it can it's still. Yeah, work. not quite the same, but still. Yeah, still, should, you still go. Me. Oh, I get what's funny about yeah. that. I see that. Maybe because I'm missing most of the punchlines, I'm not laughing. But like, I get the comedic potential here. If it's just that sort of like, 
Look, man, you gotta move out of the frat house because of this weird thing you do. I don't care, man, you gotta move out of the frat house. That's boring and tedious, and then you're just going like, I don't know, I don't wanna do work, you be funny. I'll just sit here and you can bounce it off of me. Right. Uh, awesome. Alright, uh, um, we're com- coming towards the end. Anything else about Top of Your Intelligence that you wanna say? Because you had a lo- nice little spark at the last one for uh, specificity, but uh, if mm. not, that's alright. No, I think I went on that weird long tangent just trying to define it so if I do that again open that door I don't know where we'll end up Um, but yeah I I think it's just about I think people should trust I love it when people are specific in scenes and when people when I know that someone is legitimately a fan or interested in something and it comes out in the scene I think that's wonderful otherwise we just end up doing the same scenes over and over and over again and they're all just about what's in the zeitgeist it's just about dumbass Kardashian jokes you know what I mean but like the dude who just read some book about you know like folk in the 60s fucking use it in your scene if it makes sense the guy who's like really really into uh, you know the fact that Diablo 3 just came out you know use that in your scene the guy who's like really into French New Wave use that in a scene when it makes sense don't be afraid of it and if no one laughs at it who the hell cares it's still kind of interesting like if you can get interesting even if it's not funny I'm on board for that yeah uh, I, f- I find myself doing that, that, that uh, move sometimes where I'm trying to do the right thing as opposed to yeah. injecting something, uh, even even if it's something that's not relevant or maybe something that's like, oh, well, this sort of, oh, I don't know if it fits in the scene. It's like, well, I might as well just inject it because, again, that specificity yeah. probably can't hurt it. Yeah, and then don't chase that shiny thing. You know what I mean? Like, don't make sure to stay on game. Sometimes it'll be, oh, that, I want to talk about that now, and then we move off. Yeah. Just have the presence of mind to go like, okay, that's just a thing. You know, every, if every time someone used a proper noun around me, I just wanted to talk about that, I'd be schizophrenic. You know? <laughs> yeah, be a crazy person. Yeah. Um, all right, so I want to talk a little bit about sketch because I know you work uh, from your day, mm-hmm. sketch writer. Uh, so what, you're, you're, you're an improviser first, is that correct? I, I was, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so then how... The, the transition from improv to sketch, uh, easy, hard, how does that, how did that inform your writing? Um, a little bit. I approached it the same way that I ended up doing improv. Uh, Berg and I, in college, senior year, Berg got a camera. It was before HD, shot on mini-DV. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, we were just like, let's just make a DV. Let's just make sketches our senior year. We, like, I was working on a thesis, and he had like no class load. and So we had all this time, so we made... This like DVD that is I'm very embarrassed to watch now, but uh, we just made it. And he taught himself Final Cut, and we wrote these sketches, and most of them aren't very good. And we just sort of did these videos. Uh, and then when we moved out here, we started doing. We did this thing called Police Cat, where we put up a video every week, and most of them are terrible, and some of them I, I still stand by. Um, and it is just like just sort of taught myself what I thought worked and I thought was funny. I think everything I know from improv and everything I do in improv I try to put into the sketch um, I think it's the same thing I think game is the same in that way specificity tells your intelligence all that sort of stuff I think it all ties into sketch just the same yeah. um, at least the sketch I like I'm sure you know like it's I, I can probably I could probably make at least a half convincing argument for any sketch in the world tying into game um, that's good uh, yeah, definitely. Um, even like Tim and Eric, which is obviously you know like purposefully like, well, yeah. let's just figure it out. You know, Steve Brule has a fucking game, man. You know what I mean? Like that he just does. Uh, and so I, I try to use all of that at Funny or Die and in, in, in any sort of sketch I've ever done to influence that. Uh, the transition was a little bit. You know, there's a learning curve because it is more about like it's. I feel like it's more pressure and it's harder because I've I've thought these words good enough to write down. Because you have a bad improv show, you're like, oh boy. Anyway, but this is like, oh, people worked on this. <laughs> yeah, we did it and we put it up. Um, that's a little bit more pressure. I think that's one of the bigger differences. Yeah, I uh, I had a, I had a hard time getting over that. The same thing of like, oh yeah, putting if I'm if I. If I if I have the confidence in this to write it down, it must be funny. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's actually kind of the wrong way to approach it. In that, like you sort of to me, I try to treat it more like improv. Like I write a lot of sketches, mm-hmm. and I go like, all right, if if they don't work or whatever, they're disposable. But yeah, I, I I'll, I'll go I'll go forward on the ones that I like or that are really good. But uh, you know, the the more you treat it like precious, I think any almost anything, the more you're like, this yeah. is this is the thing. You're like, all right, man. Oh yeah, no, do, you have to kill babies just... left and right. Like, it's you know, I, I'd say like I, I try to write most of the th- now. If you're dying, you know, it's all it's all videos, it's all web videos, obviously, yeah. and that's a little bit different stage. But um, because I get the benefit of being able to do this, like most of my sketches, I'd say are a good page longer than I think they should be, uh, and then that comes out when we edit together. 
Um, just cut out that stuff that I, like that's the best thing about what I get to do is that it's you know I just go like ah oh, that didn't quite work uh, out you go like I like I, I don't I try not to hold myself in to be like it has to be two pages yeah. um, just like oh I'll write it when I think it's done then trim it down and then even if it's still too long I'll deal with it later yeah um, well, which is nice and it took me a long time to get to that just being like just put it on the paper just write it down uh, you know there's like every writing book in the world tells you this but like you know you know 90 pages bad on the page is better than just you trying to figure out you can't get it good in your brain you have to write it down and then right. you do it yeah uh, I used to I was explaining this to somebody before is that I was trying to do this before I was like I, I don't know how you go about writing sketches but I usually do uh, uh, idea like game I come game uh, beats of the game uh, and then and then actually write it uh, or but I was trying to tell somebody before, if you have an idea or something that you like or want to write around, try to make multiple games and then write write to all those games. And then like maybe something's funny or maybe you can sort of use one thing a little bit yeah. later. I don't know. I'm just, tell, I'm just telling you what <laughs> I'm doing for no reason as <laughs> if you ask. Uh, I, I'm actually, what, one thing I actually am curious about because I am uh, an improviser first and I have trouble doing this. Uh, I find that uh, after the first draft, uh, I don't like... I sort of feel like I've discovered it. Like, when I come up with my beats, I'm like, okay, I found some new stuff. And then when I write it, I'm like, oh, I found stuff in the dialogue and it surprised me and it's funny and fits. Uh, and then after that, I'm like, I've improvised everything out of me. Yeah. Uh, what, is there is there a, another process, a step in there that maybe you have discovered that uh, I can steal from your brain? Yeah, I mean, other <laughs> eyes are the best way around it, obviously. You know, like, um, if we have, like, the... Uh, you know, oh, other eyes. Other <laughs> eyes, yeah. Um, if, I thought that was a phrase I was supposed to understand. Oh, no. Eyes, Sorry. Eyes. Yeah. Yeah, like, if I, it, you know, at, at work, I get to, you know, have other people read it and chime in. That's super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, almost similar way to do that is just to set it down for a little bit and come back to it and see what still makes you laugh and then you just have to be like super honest like because like I'll do that sort of thing I'll be like okay yeah this joke's good enough uh, and then you go through and be like ah, that joke's not good I, I thought I remember thinking this is good enough which is sometimes takes a little bit to go like it's not like, if I, like that's not how I want to be doing things of being yeah. like ah whatever yeah. that's an okay joke um, then I either cut it or try to fix it and make it better um, because I, you, after that first draft sometimes it is sort of like well I've done it written a script you know <laughs> like, like time for the next thing uh, yeah and I think that's the, the, the best way to do it is just to like just pause on it you know yeah. what I mean and then come back to it because that then your brain if you're honest with yourself would go like oh page one great page two super muddy very confusing. <laughs> Wish it didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So I feel like that wraps it up about that. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's classic segment of the show. Pearls of wisdom. Pearls of wisdom. Note or something. Maybe feedback you ever received from doing improv. Sure. Had a had a good impact on you as an improviser. Um, about things. You know. Uh, well, I'm sure that probably, I suppose I should have prepared something. You don't have to. Um, Most people don't. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the best advice that I know, and like, uh, every now and then I'll go down these like K holes of like tumblers about improv. Um, uh, and like, some of them are interesting and great, and, and some of them are just like, I, well, I don't want to say something's wrong, but sometimes they are wrong. Um, yeah, I write wrong stuff. Yeah, a lot. yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, referring I to yours. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, and I think I, what I see a lot of times, especially like students, they're trying to improvise like someone. They're trying to be Ben Schwartz, you know, um, and you're not going to be uh, improvise like yeah. you. Figure out that time, and if you're in one on one, two on, sure, give it a shot. But you know, like, you need to figure out what it is. That makes you funny because if you look at if you listed like I'd say even like your top ten improvisers currently that you like to watch, yeah, I don't think you'd be like, well, these two people are exactly the same. You know what I mean? Like I think Dom and I play very similarly, and yeah. yet Pretty, yeah. different things come out of our scenes entirely, and we approach it in different ways. Yeah. So you need to figure that out for you. That I think the whole purpose of like taking classes and learning game and stuff is that just gives you that basic skeleton, and then figure out what it, what about you what your style is on top of that. You want to build off of that. I see people too often trying to be like, well, let's want to tear it all down. Just do my own. Well, what I think is, you know, like I saw this group at cage match and they were doing a game and then something happened. And so they did something else. Like, okay, man, you know, give it a shot. Try it. it. You're going to have a hard time. Uh, Just don't try to be someone else. Just try to 
just as if you were a stand-up. What's your voice? I wrote, I wrote, uh, it's funny that you say that. I wrote, actually on my blog, I write about improv, I wrote a post in frustration, actually, about that you can't, you can't improvise like your coach. Yeah. Stop trying. Because uh, I, was, I was very much frustrated that, one, our coach was trying to make our team be like him, and two, that, that other people were trying to be, like, it's like, I, like, my thought process is on it, it kind of goes, again, back to the specificity thing, is like, I'm only ever going to be able to bring my choices to a scene. Uh, my choices can be better or worse, I think, and there, you know, I think that's what hopefully you're trying to aspire to do is not, uh, is not to make the choice that Alex Fernie would have made or Alex Berg would have made, but to make the choice, uh, to make your choice and as best as possible. Yeah. As clearly, as specifically, as something that will help and inject the game and feel it or whatever. Uh, it's not, it's not like, ah, but Alex Fernie would have been funnier because I like this specific, though he would have come up with better. Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I love using Ben as a, Ben Schwartz as an example. Yeah. Um, because Ben is such a specific style of play and yeah. it's loose and Ben is uh, very fucking funny yes. he's just a funny dude uh, he's a good improviser and I see students try to play that way all the time and it, like that's you know what it's, I'm, it's terrible it, yeah. and it's because there, it, it, it's because like it, it, again we can come back to it like that's not honest you're playing the way that you think someone on stage which is already playing a version of themselves would you're four steps removed yeah. you're doing four stages of math to get to what you said instead of just being you know like there's that old, like the cliche of like write what you know it's the same in any form of art it's right. improvised you know what I mean they're, they're in like visual art they're like schools of painters you can still tell them different the differences between them but that doesn't mean that cubism isn't a thing you know yeah. what I mean like that's you can be like oh I love Picasso and you're never going to be Picasso use that to figure out how you do it you know what I mean like right. and I think that's true in sketch too you know what I mean you see sketch comedians in college across the world try to be Andy Kaufman and it's <laughs> that drives me up the wall it's like no 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 he's done that you can't do it as well it's super boring now when people try to do that stuff yeah um, just let that inspire you to do whatever it is that you're going to do yeah um, I have uh, one skill that I will admit to having without a lot of shame is that I can I can uh, imitate other improvisers pretty well mm -hmm. uh, and it, we I did a practice not too long ago where our coach actually told us to try to act like another improviser, and I was doing it like the whole time. People knew who I was doing. Like I did Nick Mandernak, and everybody got that right away. But it's like it's not as funny as him. I don't have the right charisma to like actually sell and embody it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can do myself. I can do like my version of that a lot better. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I like I like that. Just owning owning your your skill. And if we're if we're being honest, that's what every practice group you do is that's what every class you take is it's all about like i've said this to students before but like it's all about a reminding yourself what you were really good at as a kid which is just going with it and make believe which is the lame touchy-feely thing mm -hmm. and b figuring out what makes you that improviser you know and if you're not interested in finding that those are the people who fade away who don't keep doing it um the people who are really into it they, it, it should be all about what is it that is going to make me, Alex Fernie, the improviser, um, be me. And I think that is what the entire process should be about. Not, if you approach it like, fuck, man, I'm going to play like DC Pearson, I'm going to be the next DC Pearson, two years you're not doing it, bro. 100% guaranteed. Yeah. Um, if, well, and the other thing, too, like, the other thing, too, is, like, if you're trying to... <laughs> You're not going to be able to do DC Pearson better than DC Pearson. He's got years ahead of you yeah. on that. Like he, he's he's he'll be doing it and evolving as DC Pearson. Mm -hmm. His voice of DC Pearson is honed and pure because it is DC Pearson. Yeah. And I also he, think like any great improviser, like we like to say, like oh that's a that's a Billy move or that's a Ben move, you know. And like you can sort of do that, but sure. I mean like any actual good improviser does way more than we give them credit for. Like we're you know like uh, teasing Berg before about doing like science and characters, and I've done thousands and thousands of scenes where he's just like a grounded quiet person you know what I mean like it's, yeah. there are things that pop up that we associate with this and then there's the 75% of the rest of their improv that they do and I think students are so quick to forget that that they go uh, you know like oh uh, you know Joe Hart's character is this and go like well you're denying you're, well, you're, you are not giving him the credit of being as good an improviser as he is because you're saying that he does this thing yeah. you know what I mean but that's not the way it works you have to be able to do more yeah Oh my god, I love it! 
Alex, this is a great interview. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug or share uh, before we, we call it? Um, do I have anything I want to plug and share? Uh, you can come see Convoy on Thursdays in Samuel on Saturdays. I don't think I have anything else specific coming up. No, All right. Yeah. Great. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank man. you very much. Goddamn, that was really cool. cool. I hope you enjoyed that episode. You can catch Alex Fernie with Convoy Thursdays at 11 at UCBLA and Cinnamon Lady Saturdays at 7 p.m. Uh, both are great shows. I highly recommend them. Uh, I'm doing three shows at the L.A. Indie Improv Festival May 26. Uh, I say you go. Uh, if not to see me, just to support local independent improv. That's it, I guess. Uh, I don't have a guest booked for next week. i got to find a guest. I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to try. Happy improvising, guys. It's the golden age of improv. Happy improvising. Just enjoy it. I'm I'm happy. I'm really happy I get to do it. God, I want to go do a show. I'm doing a show today. I get to do a show today. Okay, I am really happy. Happy improvising, guys. Bye. Want to hear your favorite funny people paired with wine? Want to just hear them whine about something? Hi, I'm Ellen Clifford. Hi, I'm Sean Buckholtz. We're the hosts of The Wine Situation. That's wine with an H. We've had Morgan Murphy. Drew Drogi. Brian Safi. Charlie Tanners and Camille Knox. Paul F. Tompkins and Janie Haddad Tompkins. Melanie Linsky. They all told us their wines. And we told them about wine. It's totally boozy study hall. So get it everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. That's The Wine Situation. Wine, wine with, with an H. H. Cheers! Cheers.